Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know what? I've always found that audiences love it when they, they feel like they're in the, um, they're seeing behind the curtain. Audiences are suckers. <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utterly bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger, and the dashing, kind, charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. Before we start this week's episode, we would love to thank our newest Patreon, Adam. Yay, Adam! Yay, Adam! Welcome to the WTB train. And also a little reminder that we are going to have another fantastic new material evening on November 15th, 8 p.m. And our guests will be Bethany Black, who I'm very excited to have on the show, and a returning guest because we loved her so much. We're having her back again, Deborah Di Giovanni, everyone. So again, November 15th, 8 p.m. online. Let's get this show on the road. Hey, you did your show last night, your last ever performance. Of underprivilege, yes, that was last my last my last ever time that I would perform that show, and I did it at the Comedia in Be Right On, and it was fun. It was sold out crowd. They were really lovely. They were really up for it. I fucked it up at the beginning. <laughs> I had menopause cloud fog brain. <laughs> And I came on stage and I was like, I, in a way, I was like, I felt even a bit too confident. You know, I was like, walked on and went, no, oh, this will be great. And then I was like, started it. And then my brain went empty. And when I say empty, <laughs> I don't mean I had a little bit of something like, oh, something will come. Nothing. Blank. Fog. Now, for any woman listening to this, you haven't been through the menopause or you don't know what the menopause is. Oh, strap yourself in for this fun time. <laughs> this is the bit that where a simple word that you know and you have known just disappears. Anyway, the front half of my show disappeared. So I had to say, right, I'm so sorry, but we've got to stop the show. And then I had to get off and come straight back on. But it actually worked in my favour because I was filming it. 
So I went off and I immediately just introduced myself back onto the stage because I thought if I just do a reset button, I kind of felt confident that my brain would just reset. And I came back on and because the audience knew that it was being filmed and that that I had fucked it up, they gave me an even warmer response. So when I came on, (laughs) boy, oh boy, did I look popular. Has that ever happened to you guys where you've just blanked? Do you know, I was doing a play and I completely forgot what I had to say. You could see the guy was look the guy's with was looking at me and I was like, I mean it came to me eventually, but it was completely blank. That's a stress dream for me, Maureen, is I have a recurring stress dream. And I was talking to Zoe Lyons about this and she says she has the same dream. And I think you do as well, where you're backstage, uh, about to go on in a play. You don't know what the play is. You don't know what the part is. You don't have a script. Somebody has the script near you, but for some reason you can't get it off them. And you're going around asking people, sorry, can I just have a quick look at the script? I just want to know who you are or what the first line is. And you've got no idea. That is my stress dream. And you being on stage and forgetting your lines, I'm coming out in heights. (laughs) Uh, The other thing is, you know, when you've been gigging a lot, sometimes, you know, when you do like two or three gigs a a night and you're on stage and you're like, have I said this joke to this audience? Have I done this punch joke? And I remember once I came back from Ireland once and I was absolutely knackered. I had to go straight to a gig. And I did one of my bankers, obviously, the joke that everybody laughs at, and nobody laughed. And I was right, this is a bit odd. And my mum was doing the door at the time. And I said, oh, I can't believe they didn't laugh at that joke. And she went, yeah, it was the third time you did it. <laughs> at least they gave you grace on the second one. The third one, they're like, all right, she's pushing her luck a bit here. <laughs> but that's horrible, isn't it? When you kind of go, have I? Have I done this joke? Because you just can't remember which gig you've done that joke at. It does kind of um, unsettle you. When I went back on, even though it all came back to me and it was fine, there was a little bit of me through the whole show that went, at the beginning of the show, you didn't know what your show was. <laughs> and it just kind of, do you know, and it sort of sits there in the back of your head where you go, you absolute numpty. When I did my f- show for the first time in Edinburgh, which Jen was in, it took 36 minutes because I went through it so quickly. And um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I was listening to myself going, God, this person's so boring. And I was like, oh shit, it's me. <laughs> it was like... I was in the audience kind of trying to say, mime, slow down, Maureen. <laughs> because people were laughing and you were almost irritated by the laughter. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I've got another joke to tell. And I was like, Maureen, just let them laugh and then start the next joke, you flipping loon. One of my professors in university when I was in education, the best thing I ever heard, and I I agree, is whenever you're about to speak in front of people, if you just know for sure in your head that first line, what are you going to start with? If you can just for sure know that, the rest follows. So I always try to like in my head, just go over again, the beginning, the beginning. Or if I'm at a club and I think of a new joke, I'll be like, okay, that joke, that joke, and then to this. And then I find it flows. And then when I do multiple shows, what I try to do too is look at people in the audience to acknowledge faces and associate faces to the joke. So then if I'm in front of a different audience and I look at someone, I'll be like, oh, that woman who really liked the joke about birds. She's no longer here. I have not done the bird joke. That is how I try to do it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way. Yeah. Anyway, as it was Alison, weirdly, I had spent the entire day going through my show, particularly at the beginning. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and that is the thing that I can't forgive myself. Is I had literally gone over. And that's why I felt so confident. I was like, oh, God, Bristol, you're absolutely going to nail this, you beauty. I got the first line out and then went, woof, there we go. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> and good night. <laughs> oh, shitting hell. Anyway, 
Other than that, I did my cycle ride on Sunday for the Will Houghton Foundation. Ooh, how was that? It was absolutely fine. Also because Chloe's cousin happened to get an electric bike and he let me go a third of the way around on this electric bike. And let me tell you, I'm never going back. You pedal a bit and then you just go like the clappers. I was like, see you later, losers. Honestly, they're loads of fun. You should get one more and even you'd like it because you go really fast and uphill. You're uphill going. I actually, for a split second, and I forgot that I was on an electric bike. I thought, God, I'm fit. I am so fit. I am strong. I have incredible stamina. Who needs to train? I just, I know, oh yeah, it was an electric bike. Hey, Jed, if people want to donate to the Will Houghton, Houghton Foundation, how do they how do they do that? The Will Houghton Foundation, you can just Google them and you can donate at any time. And what they do is they fund a number of different projects for young people between the ages of 18 and, and uh, or 14 rather, and 24 to give them uh, experiences in sport and education. Oh, I just missed that boat, don't I? Yes, Maureen, you missed it by about 40 years. Um, <laughs> anyway, Alison, how was your week? It was good, guys. I was in Dublin this week, which was pretty fun. Do you know it was fun? Do you know in your job when you meet people, like I got to meet some new comedians, but it's the same with any job. And it was just a real joy to be around some different energy and some new people and, um, yeah, it was really fun. We filmed kind of like a uh, pre-recorded show for Halloween, and we went and recorded, like, openings in a prison. So I wore, like, a prison jumpsuit, and it was, like, an old haunted prison, so that was, like, right up my alley. It was... <laughs> Awesome. It was so fun. So I don't want to give away too much. But yeah, it's like, do you know, like in, with old comedy specials, they used to have kind of like, I don't want to say skits, but like some sort of something and then they'd go into like stand up. That's kind of what they were doing with this. And so we were filming something in a prison. It was part of the Laughter House Comedy Club. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be an online show that you can purchase and see. And it was, uh, it was just so fun. It was really fun. They had an amazing setup. They had camera crews. Like, I've never seen camera crews like this before. It was a blast. And I had an amazing pizza. Sorry that that's one of the highlights of my week, everyone. But, like... <gasps> no, don't be sorry, Alison. I love a good pizza. Let Talk me through every single stage of your pizza. If you go to Dublin, please get an Apache pizza. It, uh, first off, though, Apache. And they even had the word Indian in the sign. I'm not even going to touch on that right now. As a Canadian, I was like, you, this is, you cannot. Anyway, but the pizza was lovely. It was a thicker crust, but it was really light. I didn't understand how they got such a light, thick crust. There was just the right amount of cheese. There was something magical in the tomato sauce. <laughs> it was just like heaven on my tongue. Alison, it sounds like you had an absolutely, f I think you had the best week. I think there's no question. I haven't talked about my week. Well, we haven't come to you yet. I know, we're getting to you now. Yeah. Don't, don't you worry about a thing. I did want to focus a little bit on the, the Apache pizza, but we've we've skated over that. Well, we can always go back to it. I'm thinking that you might have had a sourdough uh, bottom, it sounds a little bit like, if it was thick, but also, also airy, could have been sourdough. That's exactly how I describe it, Jen. It was airy. It was thick, but airy. I think you've got a sourdough bottom there, and what a great bottom in a pizza. Sourdough bottom, that's my street name. Move on. <laughs> street names have you got Alison I've got so many street names I'm a part of a lot of gangs all right okay I like that about you Maureen what have you been up to in fact do we do we do we want to know it's not really that exciting I, <laughs> I met up with a friend he's a British comic who lives in the Netherlands we met up had dinner and uh, we did top secret together 
Oh, and I've got some really nice bargains up the market. Oh, tell us about your bargains. I love it when you go up the market, Rory. Glitzy black jumper, like with, like black with little glitzy bits in it. Oh, talk about the glitzy bits. Oh, it's nice and glitzy and it keeps you warm because I'm too scared to put the heating on at the moment. And also I've got a nice red cardi. You've got a red cardi and a black top with glitzy bits. Actually, what are you wearing at the moment? That's a nice cardi. Oh, that's a that's another charity shop. That's a, it looks almost like it's a bit of a mohair job. I mean, I don't know why we're talking about it. We're, this is a podcast. <laughs> I can't really see. For the but listeners, yeah, so that, they're like, skate over this bit. Skate over it. So anyway, so that was it. I, had, I got some bargains, met up with some mates, um, working on my show because I'm doing my show tonight, which I'm still writing. Which will be three days ago uh, for those people listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Could be interesting. Could be a very short, short show. I can't wait to hear about your 22-minute show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's, uh, it's that bit's over. It's now time. Oh, God. Do we really want to know this? Yeah, yeah we let's do. go over. It's time to find out what more in Younger's Abby is. I'd managed to block myself as a spam sender. <laughs> I chose my own number and my own contact to block. <laughs> oh my god, Maureen, I don't understand. I mean, I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. Well, my friend invited me, in fact, the friend who stayed over last night uh, invited me to go and see a play at the National. So uh, just, to, just to defend myself, I'd been rehearsing all day. It was a hot day, blah, blah, blah. When was this, Maureen? Set the scene. This was a, oh god, that's like 15 years ago or something like that. Okay, so god, when you're in your 20s. Right, so uh, it was an it was a all black cast, and I went to the play. They've got very comfy seats at the National, and I was tired. I mean, I fell asleep through a James Bond movie, so this is no. I'm not casting any aspersions on the play or the actors. Basically, I fell asleep after ten minutes. I was like out for the count, and then about twenty minutes later, because the Olivier Theatre's got this stage that rotates. Anyway, it stopped rotating, so they had to they couldn't carry on with the play. So. My friend, we had house seats, so my friend knew one of the actors. So at the National Theatre, there's a bar which only the actors and the crew go to. So no general public. We were the only general public in there. I recognise the actors. He's, he's done a lot of TV, so we were chatting. And there were some other actors there. And I said what everybody does, even though I hadn't watched the play because I fell asleep after 10 minutes. I said to all the other actors, you're brilliant because what do you... I mean, you can't go. Actually, I didn't see you because you weren't in on the first 10 minutes and I was asleep. And then these two other people came... I recognised one of them because he, he was on in the first 10 minutes of the play. He's also done quite a bit of TV. So I turned around to both of them and went, oh, you were both brilliant, because that's what you say, don't you, to actors? And one of them went, I'm not an actor, I'm his brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, it, and my mate is just looking at me going, what the f It's not a great look. And also I couldn't explain... It's, you know, it's not that I can't tell the difference between a random audience member and an actor. It's because I was asleep for most of the play because I've already told half the actors. I've <laughs> so, and telling a load of actors, oh, actually, I was asleep during the play. Nothing to do with you. You lot were great. I was just really tired. And I look, I sleep through James Bond movies. I couldn't, do you know what I mean? I couldn't explain myself out of it. No, you can't. Because either way, you look bad. I mean... He couldn't then turn to him and go, I'm so sorry. It's, uh, it's, uh, I wasn't just saying that. It's, I actually didn't see any of it because I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually lied to the rest of you as well because I didn't see any of you. But so the, other, the other actor would be like, so you didn't think I was brilliant then? No, I, I actually don't, didn't watch Because I didn't see you. <laughs> I didn't see any of it. <laughs> 
And my mate was just looking at me like, what the hell? I, and I, I just couldn't say anything. I just had to go, well, they're just going to have to think I'm, you know, that's the type of person I am. I would have left. <laughs> yep, no, but we're getting free drinks. Of course they were, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can I say, it wasn't a reflection on the play because basically... I was just tired and they are, and I have fallen asleep at the National before. I fell asleep through the second half of The Life of Galileo. I know, but that does sound boring. The Life of Galileo. I was going to say, that does not sound riveting to me. There was a time, I think it was under Trevor Nunn, when they had an ensemble and I used to go to the National all the time and it was brilliant. I remember Henry Goodman as Shylock um, in The Merchant of Venice. He was fantastic. And I kind of recognised all the actors because they all, they, you know, they, they all was in every, each play. I really, I mean, you know, I, you know, great theatre. I mean, can be amazing. I remember seeing Our Country's Good at the Young Vic in the 98. And it's one of the best theatre productions I've ever seen in my life. It was so life affirming. I saw plays every day that week because I was living in Scotland at the time, came down to London. And that's the one play I remember. It was just amazing. So it, it depends on the production, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, there's, you know, good theatre is amazing and bad theatre is appalling. It's a bit like comedy, actually. Good. I mean, Good comedy is great and you walk away going, oh, that was so much fun. But bad comedy, you leave thinking, I, I hope that person gets run over by a car because they've ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> Maureen Younger, thank you very much for your Maureen Younger moment. Let's head over to our wonderful aunt that also can deal with agony. It is time to ask Alison. Go to the gym, get it together, pay Take my advice. I ain't using it. Oh, and you know what? That was excellent because Jen also has a cold, everyone. So the fact that you just nailed all those notes accurately, your diaphragm is still in full working order. Excellent, Jen. Thank you for that. Thanks, Alison. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I just gave you a little compliment, which brings me to today's problem. And I genuinely loved getting this. Again, listeners, I love getting all problems. Please don't stop them. But this one I thought is really good for everyone to hear. So the problem that was written in, I hate receiving compliments. When someone goes out of their way to give me nice feedback, it makes me feel visibly uncomfortable. I worry people think I'm rejecting their kindness. Do you have any advice? Well, yes, I do. First off, the fact that you don't want people to feel that you are rejecting their kindness is a really good insight into what it is we do when we reject a compliment. So I just want to compliment you, listener, right away for acknowledging this to that level. Well done, you. We're going to start off with that. We're going to start off with a compliment. So why is it that we do this? Why do we have such a hard time accepting compliments? This is international, everyone. It's not just Brits. It's not just Canadians. It's everyone, I think, has a hard time accepting compliments. Now, why is this? Some simple reasons. Sometimes when we get a compliment, maybe we feel it doesn't align with how we see ourselves, right? Which... <laughs> Listen, we all have a distorted view of ourselves, so that's problem number one. Don't ever be like, nah, that's not true because this is what I think of myself. No, you probably think negatively of yourself, so the compliment doesn't align with what you think of yourself. You might be uncomfortable with expectations that come along with that compliment. Oh, 
maybe a compliment pushes you out of your uh, security zone, right? So maybe it's that you're, you're uncomfortable with the expectation that might follow that compliment. You want to be humble. Look, this is a thing. People want to be humble, and that's great. Be humble. But that doesn't mean you can't accept a compliment. You're not being arrogant by receiving a compliment, okay? Self-esteem, let's be honest. Again, it kind of goes with the way we see ourselves. Sometimes our self-esteem doesn't allow us to take that compliment because I think all of us probably carry a little bit of lower self-esteem than, than we should. So those are the main reasons why I think it is very hard for us to receive compliments. I'm going to go right into this. What not to do when you get a compliment. Do not argue with a compliment. All right, if someone gives you a compliment, don't be like, absolutely not. No, I didn't. Because what are you doing right there? Oh, my God, that's so... First off, that's a rude thing to do. That is a rude thing to do. Do not argue a compliment, all right? It's disrespectful. If somebody wants to say a kind word to you, you take it. Don't play compliment ping pong, as I like to call it, right? Don't feel that if somebody goes, hey, I like this, and you go, I like this, because you sound so not authentic, just so you know. Don't fight a compliment with a compliment. I, you know, I know you're probably trying to do a good thing, but like, I don't know, space it out a bit, give them a compliment a few minutes later. Don't immediately return the serve with a compliment, all right? It just, even if it's, again, you mean it, just give it a moment or two. Let the compliment that you received sit there in the air for a minute. Because compliments are given with no strings attached, so don't feel you have to give something back after that. So how do we get better at accepting compliments? Number one, recognize that a compliment, everyone, is a little bit more about the giver than the receiver. And when you don't accept that compliment, you are disrespecting a person. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to disrespect people? No, you don't. So you take the compliment, right? It's not necessarily, even though the compliment's about you, it's not about you. So you don't make it about you. You take that compliment. You let that person give you the compliment, all right? Because sometimes when we give compliments, it gives us positive feelings. And you want people around you to have positive feelings, don't you? So take that compliment. Think of it as a gift, this is, to me, a really good way of looking at it. If someone gives you a compliment, it's like someone giving you a gift. If your grandmother gave you a pair of socks and you don't necessarily like those pink and purple socks, you're sure as hell not going to throw them back in her fucking face, are you? No. You're going to say thanks, Grandma, and you're going to take the socks. If you try to divert that compliment, just imagine yourself throwing socks into your grandmother's face. Okay? There we go. Let them know what the compliment means to you. Okay, this is a nice way of responding to a compliment. So somebody's like, oh, you know, th they compliment you and then you could say something to the effect of, ah, oh, you know, thanks a lot. I was having a rough day, but that really cheered me up. That way, boom, there you go. That's a way of accepting a compliment and also uh, thanking them. And a comp you know, so it, it is a way of, of positively creating that nice feeling, accepting it, but also giving back. So you, you can still have that lovely, humble feeling that you want, everyone. Say thank you. Just say thank you. Take the compliment. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Oh, another great thing that you could do after saying thank you, share. Share the credit. I like your hair. Oh, my God, thank you. I have a fantastic hairdresser. 
You're not not taking that compliment. You're also just sharing a little bit, which makes it easy. Often what I do is um, shows, if someone comes up to me, oh, my God, we loved you. Oh, hey, thanks. Well, it's great when it's a nice audience or it makes it all that much more fun when it's a nice audience. That way you're accepting it, but you're also sharing a little bit. That's a nice way to do it. And then the best way to learn how to receive compliments is to work on giving compliments. The more you give a compliment, the more naturally you can compliment those around you, the easier it gets for you to accept compliments. I I think there aren't enough compliments in this world. And I think that's why people have a really hard time. So I think the best thing to do is to just accept it Enjoy it. Enjoy the compliment, everyone. There is nothing wrong with with hearing those positive words. So say thank you, but just take it in, everyone, and enjoy it. So again, I just want to say to the person who wrote in, thank you very much, because I think you have helped us all today in learning how to accept a compliment. So we're very grateful. That is my advice, everyone. Ah, Alison, thank you. Yeah, I remember, Jen, because promoters would come up to me at times and go, oh, you were great. And I go, wow. I don't think I was, you know, and Jen would be like, what are you doing? You're talking yourself down. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You start contradicting someone. Someone's come up to you and said, you are absolutely brilliant. And then Maureen would go, no, no, you're wrong, actually, because I just messed that bit. And I said to her, look, what you're doing is someone has told you you're good and you've said, actually, you're wrong. I'm crap. (laughs) And and this is the person that just booked you. I know. (laughs) Jen would be like, will you stop doing that we're all very confident women i have to say that and we've got a lot to go we've got a lot to, a lot to speak english in a minute that'd be great wouldn't it we've got a lot to offer society as a whole i think but that's one thing none of us are very good at is taking a bloody compliment Alison might be slightly better at it than than you and i maureen but god help anyone that gives maureen a compliment because she will deflect it like she is a ninja <laughs> all i'm saying is your grandma would have bruises all over her face with the amount of socks you've thrown at her maureen <laughs> I think, too, we just have a really hard time accepting anything good about ourselves. Real side note, uh, when I was a teacher, I used to uh, start all my classes with something called question of the day. And I would ask a question of the day, and that would be my way of taking attendance. And it would be a simple question. What's your favorite food? Uh, Who's the most useless celebrity? I would always make it fun. But one day I said, tell me one good thing about yourselves. And I swear to God, every student in the class, they just were like, ah, pass, pass. And I was like... No, there is no passing today. You must say one good thing. And they were like, ah, oh, Miss Smith, I just, come on. And so I took the time and I went around and I said something wonderful about each and every one of them that was like individual to them. And they were like, ah, oh, and I see, I went there. See, if I can do that for each and every single one of you, you should learn the technique of being able to take, find one thing within yourself that, that you know, and we have such a struggle with that. And I just think it's, Yeah, it's really something we need to get over. So I think accepting compliments and giving compliments helps us all in that regard. I agree. I don't know what it is. I am absolutely appalling at at accepting a compliment. And I will avoid a compliment wherever possible. If I can feel someone is about to deliver one, I will sidestep that compliment, duck it, commando roll out of it, and into another room. Because I just, I don't know what it is. There's something about me. I can't seem to handle a compliment. And I want to get better at it. And I I think I am getting better at it. I will now sit and listen and thank the person for the compliment. And then there'll be just an awkward moment where I won't know what to say afterwards. So are you, that's, what are you, are you having a nice, did you see that film on the, oh, Jesus Christ, somebody help me. You know, I'm not, I I don't know how to, how do you follow a compliment? Like you were quite good at saying, thank you for the compliment. 
And now I will absorb the compliment. <laughs> That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Yeah. That's all you've got to do. But I will just hover around outside of the compliment that's been given and go and now what do I say you know like an absolute moron I don't know what I'm doing so that that was very good advice Alison lastly would just like to say I think it's also a really good thing that we give compliments because people we sometimes forget to do that with our friends and with people that we love and just say to them you know what that thing that you did that was really great or you look really great or you you know you're you've got lots of these wonderful attributes Come on, let's all give each other a compliment. Come on, let's do that right now. Okay, Alison, I'm afraid you'll have to start this. Okay, no problem. <laughs> I will start this. I will start this. Uh, you know what, Maureen? Um, let's question of the day has made me feel uh, more like sometimes we just have to accept the way our brains work. And you have taught me that uh, each and every brain has a reason for why it does. And you know what, we should never question the way our brains work and just go with it. And I think that you have opened up the world to a lot of people into seeing things that might happen in their life as, as, uh, as entertaining. And so I think your Be More Maureen moment uh, enlightens us all and makes us see the fun and the ridiculousness in all of our own thought processes. All right. So I think the Be Maureen moment has changed lives is what I think. Uh, Jen, I think you, you are an exceptional, inspiring person being around you. You are constantly trying to make those around you feel good and positive. Would you not say Maureen? Is she not? Uh, yeah, she takes the piss out of you. But in taking the piss out of you, you know, she's the backbone. Like she's a friend that has inspired me and pushed me in a positive, loving way uh, more than anyone else that I have known. Leanne, working with you has been a joy. And I feel that I learn so much every time I work with you. And you have such a grace about you. Even if things are difficult or there's a sticky situation, you are always so good at making everyone just like grow and develop and move past that and never stress about one particular thing. Even I know if you're stressed in your brain, I want you to know that everyone else around you is not because you do such a good job of making everyone feel like it's going to be okay. Wow. Um, Alison, that's incredible. I was going to say something like, I, I really like your top. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You look surprised that you're here. I've just woken up. And yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to point It's called being it. professional, Alison. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. is the show called oh yeah i've got it we've been talking bollocks yeah okay is everyone happy with that <laughs> don't know if anybody watched this ridley road have you been watching ridley road i've only watched two episodes i'm making myself just watch it once a week okay yeah so what t- tell us what you thought i think it's good i mean it's been criticized because apparently the, the it's all about which i didn't know about this neo-Nazi movement that was around in the 60s London, which in, which I was unaware of. And they are saying that the, the guy, he's very good in it. Oh, God, what's his name? Who's playing the Nazi, the lead Nazi. Is it Rory? Rory Kinnear or something? He's like, they're giving him too much credit. Like, he was he was actually a more pathetic figure than they're, they're portraying him. But obviously, for drama, you need to have, like, a, a big baddie. But it's all about this young Jewish woman who comes down from Manchester, and then she infiltrates this fascist movement. Uh, in order to find out what they're up to so they can stop them attacking people, you know, the Jewish community and, and things like that. I'm really enjoying it, actually. I've, I'm finding it quite interesting. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I am I am enjoying it. I... <laughs> well, that, that was enthusiastic. <laughs> you just fall asleep after the first 10 minutes. No, no. I, 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 do you know what? I am enjoying it, but I'm not massively into it. If, I, if I'm if I'm honest, I'm going to watch the whole series. But I sometimes when I'm really enjoying a series, I'm like, I I don't think I can wait. I don't think I can wait to see episode three. But it is based on a real group. This 62 group were a real group that infiltrated that not, you know, these neo-fascists, which I knew nothing about. I think there was a various different uh, fascist groups that have, have popped up in this country. I mean, the fact that they had swastika, swastikas and were the, the National Socialist Movement, you just think, I mean... It's only it only been like less than twenty years that the war had ended. I, I don't really understand how swastikas were a, a, a thing that people were like okay with. Even to this day, I'm like, I think we can all agree that 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 wasn't a positive point in history. Do we? I think is that something that we can all agree? But no, these people are like, oh yeah, the problem in this country is there weren't enough Nazis. I was like, then we just went to war to make sure there weren't any fucking Nazis in the country. You absolute bellend. But I tell you what, my problem is. I find all these people repugnant the whole show is about these people these repugnant people saying repugnant things and there's a little bit of me that's like i don't i don't know do i want to watch this the acting is great i think all of the actors in it are, are, are brilliant and you know they're very clever because they set the you so you have like her obviously this film now and then they they kind of mix it with documentary film from before and it's really well done so you are you really get a feeling of 60s London so you know like it's you know it kind of goes between the two like old documentary film and then her walking down the street and it's also it's a a side of swinging London that you 
I'd never heard about before. Yeah, and also it shows that London outside of Carnaby Street was pretty fucking depressing <laughs> in the 60s. <laughs> My dad always used to say to me, well, if, the, if London was swinging, I completely missed it because I, I remember London being depressing and a bit of a shithole in the 60s. <laughs> and I think that for, for most people, London wasn't swinging. It was quite depressed after the war and it was a bit of a bleak place. And I think it really captures that very well. And also now we have all these you know, quite sort of lefty liberal kind of views and opinions that we accept as being the norm. And then, you know, you go back to 60s England and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you like a 60s uh, costume drama, then that's that's the show for you. Definitely. Go have for it. Have you been it. watching anything else, Jen? No, I haven't because I have been working every single night, which is is uh, is unusual for me because I do like to absorb television in my eyeballs so I don't have to think. It's the best way to absorb it, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if there is another way to absorb television except in your eyeballs. Maybe in your lug holes, in your eyeballs and yeah. up your nostrils. No, it wouldn't fit up your nose. <laughs> no, don't your Leanne's shaking her head going, no. If TV is smelling, you should get your television set checked out. That's what, <laughs> if you can smell your TV. So what about horror movies this week, Alison? What have you got in store for us? I'm going to recommend the horror movie, Silence of the Lambs. Why? Because if St- Agent Starling had learned to accept compliments, then Hannibal Lecter wouldn't have been able to manipulate her so much. That is my feelings because he would give her a little compliment, then take away. Give her a little compliment, take it away. And Agent Starling was battling with her own insecurities. So I just think if she had just learned how to take compliments earlier on in her life, that Hannibal Lecter wouldn't have been able to manipulate her to the extent that he did. And that is why I'm recommending Silence of the Lambs, everyone. And it's just a great, creepy film. Oh, great. I I remember seeing that in the cinema. I've never seen it. What? What? You've never seen Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, because it's going to be horrible, isn't it? It's not horrible. It's not horrible. Well, Alison, it's not. It's not. It's not. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but I'm talking like gore-wise or gross. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing like that. And actually it's more of a uh, psychological thriller than necessarily a horror, I would say. I remember watching it and being fairly scared. But then I was very young at the time. And also when you're watching it on the big screen, it's it's very it's it's quite gloomy and Buffalo Bill or whatever his name is. Um, I don't know how well that's aged that particular. <laughs> oh, well, no, not, I mean, absolutely. But hey, maybe Buffalo Bill would have been a different type of person if he had had the right compliments and learned to accept them. He would have been more secure within himself. So again, look at how it ties. Yeah. And he wouldn't have to sew women's skin together to make his own suit. Yeah, sure. That's that's often. I think if, if, if a lot of psychopaths, if they'd had a bit of a compliment early on in childhood, that would have prevented quite a lot. Of- Maybe if someone had complimented his skin growing up a bit more, he would have been satisfied with his own. That's all I'm saying, everyone. Right? There we go. Woo! Good times. Um, anyway, Maureen, I can recommend it. I really enjoyed it. And um, I tell you what, that Anthony Hopkins is and, and and Jodie Foster, of course, that they're both outstanding performances and worth watching purely for their interaction, which is amazing. Alison, a brilliant recommendation. Thank you very much. I will thank myself for giving you zero recommendations. Well done, me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need a palate cleanser, though. This is your palate cleanser week for watching things. You just need a moment. Thanks, Alison. Yeah, I think that's what I need. Okay, well, oh, here we go. It's back to more and younger. Here we, here we blinking. Look at her little face. Come on, Maureen, what's cor- cornered your culture? 
of course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I would talk about Sidney Poitier because I started watching, he gives some really good speeches on YouTube. And he was the first black actor to be a leading actor in American film. So he was the first black actor to have his name above the title. Uh, there's various reasons for that. Obviously, it was the 60s, so things were beginning to change. It had been the 40s that wouldn't have been happening. And he gives us, he gets an honorary Oscar. He's a very generous guy. And he acknowledges, you know, he got a lot of opportunities from various directors and various producers. But there's also something about him, I think, as a man and as an actor. He reminds me of like Gregory Peck or Jimmy Stewart. He's got that inner integrity, that kind of moral rectitude, that sense of decency, which makes him very attractive to watch and very engaging. And I'm just going to talk about one year in particular, 1967, when he made three films. Now, these films were made in the 60s. They were not made with the um, by a woke director with the sensitivities from 2021. I was going to say woke. Woke is the word, yeah. yeah. So you have to bear that in mind. But these are three uh, brilliant movies. I don't know if, you, if you've seen it. Uh, in the Heat of the Night? It's a fantastic movie. He's basically a, a guy. He's from the North of America. He ends up in a Mississippi town where the main cop is a racist cop uh, played by Rod Steiger, who won an Oscar for the performance. And they find him, uh, they find, I think he's at the station, and they bring him in and they're going to try and set him up. There's been a murder. They're going to set up this black guy because they haven't seen him before. He's, he's not a local. And they think, well, we'll just set him up for the murder. And then they realise he's a cop. Even worse for them, he's a detective. So he's actually higher up the scale than Rod Steiger's character is, earning more money than he is. And this film was revolutionary. It's hard to perhaps appreciate now, but it's like the first film where the, it's the black guy character that's in the smart suit. It's the black character that's the brains. You know, he's the one who's sorting out what the murder is. And there's another scene, and depending on who you read, some say it was improvised, some say it wasn't. At one point, the plant this rich plantation owner gets annoyed that, you know, this this character, Virgil Tibbs, is asking him questions and he slaps Sidney Poitier's character and Sidney Poitier slaps him back. Ooh. And that had never happened in cinema before. So that was this this character. And what is great, and obviously this I think he took less money to, to be in this film because they weren't sure how they couldn't, might not be able to play it south of the Mason-Dixie line, was that this character demands respect. There's a very famous line. It's actually in the top 100 quotes of American film where he gets called a racial slur. We won't mention it. And he goes, they call me Mr. Tibbs. And he's and it's, it's a you can watch it on YouTube. It's so well acted because he's clearly seething. And then he kind of controls himself and he becomes, uh, you know, he has, has his composure. But, you know, and it's a really important line because this is a guy. Remember, this is at the background of the civil rights movement, who's basically demanding that he be shown respect, which you think, yeah, obviously, but you know, in a Mississippi town in the 1960s, you know, African-Americans have been killed for less. So it's actually a very, it's a political move and it's a very brave move. And that's his character. He has this sense of integrity and decency. And it'd be really interesting. I think it'd make a really great documentary if you've got actors like Morgan Freeman or something, L. Jackson, for them to see somebody, an actor, a black actor performing, have this role, kind of role, which had never happened before in this film, that must have been, I don't know what it must, it must have been so amazing for them. And it's a brilliant movie. Roger Steiger's fantastic in it. So Sidney Poitier would totally recommend it. The next film is, you might have seen, To Sir With Love, which I know some people go, it's a bit pat, it's a bit sentimental. I love it. No, I don't think so. I really liked it. And I'm not a very sentimental woman, as you know. No, that's true. 
but I, I really like it. So basically, uh, it does suffer from the problem like I think that Greece does. Like, so he comes to this school, and you look at the students, you go, how old are these students? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are, they, are they really slow learners? Because I mean, they don't look like they're really, you they're know what all mean? about thirty-two. <laughs> so there is that, but um, he comes to like a really rough school in London. Obviously, let's say he doesn't get a particularly warm welcome when he arrives. It's also about how, how what a difference a good teacher makes. Is that not only does he teach them to respect him, he teaches them to respect themselves and each other, which is you know a very important lesson. And because he doesn't give up on them, you know he he fights for them. There's also very the, the soundtrack is great. Lulu, who's also one of the students, she sings to serve with love. That's a great song. So um, that's worth seeing. And the last one is guess who's coming to dinner. At the time, it dealt with a real taboo subject, which is interracial marriage, um, which just before, I think when they were filming it, it was still illegal in 17 US states for people from different races to marry each other. And I think it just changed just before the film came out. So it was a really taboo subject. They were quite clever because uh, basically what happens is you've got some liberal parents who are very liberal, believe in equal rights. Their daughter comes, oh, I've got a fiance, I'm going to marry somebody. They're like, that's lovely, love. And then Sidney Poitier walks in. So it's like, we are, we are liberal, but are we really that? Yeah, that kind of thing. Well, oh, yeah, we, oh, yeah, oh, okay. And his parents arrive, they're not into the interracial marriage. And I think part of it, you might understand, you probably appreciate this, Jen. As a parent, you want your kids to have an easy life. If they've got a choice in life, you want it to be the easiest route. And the parents are obviously aware that interracial marriage is going to have problems, you know? And it's okay when you're in love at first, maybe five years down the line, when you've got five years of microaggressions, you might not be so like, oh yeah, it does actually bother me slightly. And they were very clever in that they, because they weren't sure how, how well this film would, would play out. The liberal couple are played by Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, who obviously were beloved actors. It was their last film together. Spencer Tracy died 17 days after the film was made. He was seriously ill. They didn't even think he was going to finish the film. And his last scene is is one where he talks about how much he loves his wife, which is played by Catherine Hepburn. And you kind of think it's on two levels where he's actually, it's the character, but he's also talking to Catherine Hepburn, who was the love of his life. For the, you know, she was his mistress for the last, I think, 25 years. I don't think they were they, I mean, they were. They did have a relationship, but it wasn't. No, yeah, no, they were. They were lovers for twenty-five years. No, no, they were. No, <laughs> he was gay, and she was gay, and they had a relationship to make it look like oh. they were together. But she was a lesbian, and he was homosexual. And because he was a Catholic man, he couldn't have that come out. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't divorce his wife. No, he couldn't divorce his wife, but. It was better that people thought he was having an affair with Catherine Hepburn. And also she never married because she was allegedly in love with Spencer Tracy. But actually she was a lesbian. But they were, they loved each other. Yeah. And you can and you can see like when she reacts, you're thinking, how much is that acting? Because she looked after him when he was ill. And so it's really moving scene. It's a very, you know, it's a very long speech, which any actor will tell you is a nightmare. He performs it so well. And it's a really interesting film because it, you know, it deals with this subject. And actually, it was, it's actually, it was actually made a quite popular film. But I think having him, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn as a couple was actually a very good idea. And Sidney Poitier, obviously, is the boyfriend. But also you see it like it's not just the, the white parents having issues. It's the black parents as well. Yeah, that I love. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an interesting film. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And obviously, the acting's fantastic. They're all great in it. Maureen, can you is it can you watch these anywhere? Is it possible, or would you have to get it? Yeah, yeah, on Amazon and stuff like that. But you know, you can. They're worth it. They're such 
good films. And it, it says something about, because obviously he was very, Sidney Poitier was also very fussy about the roles that he, he um, chose. Because, you know, unlike his fellow actors, you know, if you're the only leading black actor of your day, you've got to be very careful about what you choose. You know, you, you know, fellow white actors don't have to worry about that. You know, Errol Flynn doesn't have to worry about what reputation he's going to give white guys because no one's going to judge the whole white population, you know, you know, it's like, it's like male comics, male comics. If they have a bad gig, it's just a male comic having a bad gig. If a woman has a bad gig, oh, all women comics are shit. It's that kind of thing. So he was, I know he, I think he took less money. He was obviously involved in the civil rights movement. And you got to remember around this time, like the next year, both Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy were assassinated. So these are really hot topics at the time. They're still hot topics now, let's be honest, yeah. And we'd like to think we've moved on dramatically as a society, but we haven't, you know, we see that with the BLM movement. Well, Maureen, thank you very much for those recommendations. They're brilliant, as always. And um, I actually will definitely... Um, what was the last movie that you said? Was it the... Oh, Guess the, Who's, who's coming, coming to Dinner. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. That is the one that's taken my fancy. Um, Maureen Younger, thank you for your cultural corner. lose my shit over okay this is it right let's go it's happening now i cannot handle this and jen what's got your goat so sorry i had to switch my microphone off there because i was coughing and so and that is a a good intro into what's got my goat (laughs) my absolutely appalling immune system what is wrong with me i get ill all the bloody time these days there was a time when people would get colds i'd be like what's up with those people with their colds not me i'd just swan in and out of rooms with people hacking into my face and i'd be like please phlegm on me for i shall never get a cold now i just need to just walk past somebody who might possibly get a cold in three years time and i will have a bloody cold and i wouldn't mind but i happen to have a partner who is literally made of granite I had coronavirus, she didn't get coronavirus. I currently have a cold where everything, there's fluid coming out of every orifice, nothing, it's not touching her. I don't understand, I'm constantly either like exhausted or I've got a cold or I've got vertigo. She wanders around, oh, I stubbed my toe. Oh, (laughs) boo-hoo, boo-hoo, love. (laughs) I'm so sorry, I'm gonna have to mute myself again just so I can uh, blow my nose, hang on. God, it's absolutely disgusting. In fact, I repulse myself. So that's what's got my go. I'm annoyed with my own body not being able to be. I think, is it age? It's partly because of coronavirus. I think I've got a little bit of that long COVID business happening. But I do also think, is this an age thing? Wait, do you get colds more often when you get older? Or am I hallucinating? What is happening? Maureen, Alison, help me out here. I don't know. Do you remember that time when I was always getting ill? I mean... That's every time I've known you. No, but there was like a time like two years ago when I kept I kept getting styes. That was a thing. I had that weird abscess on my back. And it was really reassuring when they went, well, it usually happens to men. I was like, oh, thanks. Greek men, I think, or something. I was like, it usually happens to Greek men. <laughs> it usually happens to Greek men. It was something like that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not a Greek man. But anyway, okay. <laughs> such a random it was like i think it used to have to greek and asian men or something like that and i was like okay well that's reassuring isn't it that I've, I've got a thing that normally happens to men yeah that was weird when i just and you can get debilitating you know you just think oh i'm not ill again 
But for me, I mean, obviously I eat unhealthy, but you eat really healthily. I know, Maureen. I'm constantly having a spirulina sort of uh, smoothie. <laughs> a what? <laughs> it's green stuff. Don't worry, Maureen. It's, uh... <laughs> it, it's, it's some sort of kind of algae. Um, <laughs> it genuinely is. What would you say? <laughs> actually, you don't know this, Maureen, but once we made you a smoothie and it had spirulina in it and you drank it. You actually enjoyed it. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, you did say there's a weird aftertaste. We went, oh, it's just the, it's just the lemon, Maureen. It's the lemon. <laughs> It's your sleep schedule, I think, Jen. You're all over the place sleep-wise, right? Because you work at night, you come home, then you're up with the kids. Chloe at least has some sort of consistency because she is working from home. There is some more. I feel like your schedule is all over the place. I think that is a big... And we interact with more people throughout the day with our business. So I think that contributes a lot. You would think that we would build up an immune system, but, I mean, there's a lot of people with funky shit on them. And, uh, you know... I think, you need, I think the problem is, uh, Jen, you're always on the go. So, like, even if you're not gigging, you know, you're up from at seven if you're lucky, if you have a sleep in. And then you've got the kids. You know what I mean? So you're always, there's always something. And you need you just need some downtime. Oh, do you know what? We could have done this off. We didn't need to do this on the podcast, but it has been for that. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a chat we had off, off, uh, <laughs> offline, but... Uh... I'm very glad we've. Uh, I'm very glad to have it here. Actually, it's made me feel. In fact, almost. That's made me feel better. So that was almost a compliment, Alison. In in a way, wasn't it? You've made mm-hmm. me feel better about myself because you've said, actually, Jen, it's these reasons. It's not because you have no immune system. You've actually complimented my immunity. And <laughs> I, I've given it a break. Don't worry, Jen's immunity. It's not. It's not all you. It's all right. It's not, not your fault. Yeah. And in turn, you have given my immunity a boost. Hey. You boosted my immunity's <laughs> ego, and that in itself is something. My new oh. street name is Baraka. Go on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll go with that. Women talking bollocks. If you enjoyed today's episode, then why not subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, like us, leave a wonderful message saying how much you enjoy our dulcet tones, particularly mine. (laughs) Will that do? Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.